Well, what's up, everyone? It's me, Pastor Steve, and I wish I could be there with you. Um, unfortunately, uh, for a second weekend in a row, I can't be there in person. Last weekend, I was in San Francisco. Uh, I, I had the great honor of presiding over the wedding of Austin Kim and Michelle Kelly, who uh, went to LGM for a long time. And uh, it, it was a, a wonderful experience. I brought back a, a, a lot of great memories, but I also unfortunately brought back COVID. And so I've been isolating in my basement and that's actually where I'm preaching from. And I have to say, friends, uh, I, I'm facing a few challenges here. Um, number one, uh, physically, I'm not at, at peak condition. <laughs> I, I've been kind of dealing with this sort of like fogginess from COVID. And um, it's okay overall. But when it comes to uh, preaching, uh, it's not the greatest. But also, I, I do realize that... Uh, Getting a video sermon, it's not the same as uh, hearing a sermon in person. And I know uh, for a lot of us, uh, that's just what we've been dealing with the entire pandemic. But I know there's some people who choose to come in person so that they don't have to hear a video sermon. And, you know, I, I apologize for that. But I, I would just uh, hope and uh, would invite you to pray with me that this format and my fogginess and the different challenges that we all face when it comes to hearing the Word of God, um, that those things won't prevent us from hearing it. God, we all have challenges when it comes to hearing your Word. And God, uh, we just pray for your grace. Um, God, we pray for your Holy Spirit to speak to us and that we would have the openness and willingness uh, to hear your word and to to let it in, God, into any of the areas of our life where we need it, where we need you, God. And may we be able to receive that water, God, to any of the dryness in our life. Uh, if there's any hardness of heart, would you soften that, God? Um yeah, Lord, and just may your will be done uh, through the preaching of this word and through the receiving of it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, friends, uh, today's message is about sharing. And specifically, we're going to be talking about what it means to be a community of Christ and how sharing relates to that. Um, this passage is... is uh, perhaps the most famous passage when it comes to uh, learning about the early church, because it, this is the first mention of the church. Um, right after Pentecost, um, a, a bunch of people were convicted by the Holy Spirit uh, after Peter preached the gospel. They, they were baptized and they entered into this community life together with the apostles and this is what we see, verse 44 and 45. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. Man, that's such an amazing picture, right? Of people from all different walks of life, right? I'm assuming different professions, different social classes, 
uh, different economic levels, and they're they're selling all their stuff, and they're sharing it in common. And you know, we we look at this example, and uh, I know there are churches that um, have named themselves like they've said like we're an Acts two church. But I have to be honest, I've seen very few truly Acts 2 churches, not, at least not literally, like people just kind of living in a commune together, selling their stuff and distributing it to everyone. It, it, it kind of makes you wonder, what do we do with a passage like this, where the church looks so radical and so unlike the modern church? What can we possibly learn from this? And I think for some people, this passage is so challenging um, that you either get disgruntled with the scripture or you get disgruntled with the church um, because they're so unlike each other. Uh, to help us to understand uh, what to do with this picture of the church we're given, we have to use a principle of biblical hermeneutics. What, what does that mean? That's just a fancy way of saying, how do we interpret scripture? And one of the important principles that I've learned is that there is a difference between uh, descriptive passages and prescriptive passages in the Bible. What does that mean? Uh, well, you know what a description is, right? It just means that's what happened right? And a prescription is like, that's what you're supposed to do, like getting a prescription from your doctor. Take two and call me in the morning, you know? Uh, and there's passages like that in the Bible uh, where Jesus tells us, love your neighbor as yourself, right? The descriptive passages in the Bible are a little bit different because it, it doesn't necessarily mean that you should do all of the things that happened in the Bible. I mean, I, I, I hope that's clearly evident, right? Because those things happen at a particular uh, point in history, uh, uh, in the world, and in uh, the story of the people of God, right? And that was meant for them. Uh, and, and so, you know, we're not supposed to go to war with people just because we saw that the Israelites went to war at one time. So you might be wondering, well, Pastor Steve, does that mean we just take descriptions and just throw them away? No, of course not. Uh, what you're supposed to do, I think, is you learn principles from them. But which principles are we supposed to take? Because obviously you just heard me talk about, you know, passages um, in, in the uh, Old Testament like where it talks about, you know, war and things like that. And obviously, I'm not taking those principles, <laughs> at least not all of them, right? Um, and, and so you might be wondering, well, Pastor Steve, what hermeneutic are you using for that? I'm glad you asked. And the hermeneutic that I use is what I call the kingdom hermeneutic. And it just simply means that I prioritize Jesus's teachings on the kingdom. Why? Because I view... Uh, the Bible and really kind of the history of God's people as a progression, right? And we are kind of uh, uh, moving through time and moving through this history. And, and you know, the things that happened in the Old Testament needed to happen, right? 
but they're not happening again and again and again, right? We've, we've moved on in some ways, and we believe that Jesus is the fulfillment of the old covenant, right? We're not living under the old covenant anymore, right? And, and so please do not misunderstand me. I'm not saying that those things aren't true. I'm not saying that those things don't matter. I'm just saying that Jesus is the fulfillment as the, the son of God, right? That what he is teaching, it does take precedence because it, you know, it's been leading us somewhere, right? And, and so Jesus is the fulfillment of all of these things. And so when we're talking about things and, and you see certain things that happened before, right? Like going to war with the pagans and stuff like that. It doesn't fill, it doesn't fit the kingdom hermeneutic, right? Uh, the, the things that Jesus is teaching now, where he says, you once heard it said, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you that if somebody, right, slaps you on one cheek, you turn to them the other. Go ahead, hit this cheek, right? That you have heard it said that you should, you know, love your brother and hate your enemy. But I say to you that you should love your enemy and pray for those who persecute you. And so, friends, when we see, especially passages in the New Testament, you know, we don't want to dismiss those as quickly. Um, not that I'm dismissing the Old Testament, but... Uh, you know, you understand what I'm saying, that there is a different weight when we see, especially a, a passage like this, where it's talking about the church, right? But this is the early church in first century Palestine, right? It's very different geography, very different uh, uh, experiences, very different economy. <laughs> All of these things are, are completely different. And, and so, I don't think, I mean, I know for a fact that it doesn't tell us that we're all supposed to be this same exact kind of church. But I do think that there are principles that we can take from this as we learn how to be the church in 2022 and beyond. And, and this idea of holding all things in common, um, I got to say, you know, for a, a, a lot of people, like I said, uh, you know, we, we get sort of confused by this, you know? And so, you know, some people that they just kind of look at this and they're like, ah, well, Pastor Steve, in a perfect world, you know, we would be able to share things, but come on, that's not realistic. And we just kind of dismiss it, you know? Or we uh, just kind of like our eyes glaze over and we're so challenged by this that it's we're just kind of crippled and we just kind of like, you know, just kind of acknowledge or don't acknowledge that we can't do it. And we just kind of like, we feel like the rich young ruler, you know, that the the rich young ruler that Jesus told to sell his possessions and to follow him. And we're like, man, we can't do that. Right. And we feel like we're walking away from being faithful uh, to Jesus's call, you know, but I want to, I, I want to uh, uh, I, I assume that Jesus is still working in our lives, even if we can't fully do what God is calling us to do yet. And that there are principles for a church like ours 
that we can learn from a passage like this. And I really think it comes, it has to do with this idea of having all things in common. So let's apply our kingdom hermeneutic. How does this, how does this relate to what Jesus taught about the kingdom? Well, remember what Jesus uh, prayed in the high priestly prayer um, before he went to the cross, right? He says, I, I do not ask for these only for just my 12 disciples, but for all those who will believe in me through their words. So for the church throughout the ages, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. And this idea that we are supposed to become one with God and one with each other. That's what you see happening in this church is that they are learning to hold all things in common, right? Bringing things together, un, right? Uh, with, com, un, one. One with each other. That's what the word common means, right? And this word uh, in Greek, holding all things in common, koina, um, it's the same Greek word that uh, is actually the language that was spoken at, at the time of Jesus. The, the language that the Bible was written in, uh, it's called Koine Greek. Koine Greek. And uh, that, that word Koine, it means common. It's the same word. Um, and so this isn't a, a highfalutin classical Greek, right? This isn't the Greek of, of Aristotle and Socrates. This is the common tongue that just everybody spoke. Everybody speaks this, right? What, what is a commons? Have you ever uh, seen a common area like in, in a dorm or, um, you know, maybe in a neighborhood, right? It's a place where anyone can hang out, right? Um, Holding all things in common is this understanding that we are supposed to be like one another. Uh, we're not supposed to be better than the other person. And no one is supposed to be treated um, lower than us either, right? But we're all supposed to be one. Um, and so that's what the, 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 the early church believed. And that, you know, as they were inspired by the Holy Spirit, they, they sold their possessions. And they made sure that nobody was lacking anything. You know, th that's very, very radical for us today. It's very, very challenging. And, you know, uh, I just, just want to be honest that I think um, the greatest idol of America, th there, there's probably two idols that are very great. I mean, you know, there's probably a lot more, but, you know, I, I think it's the self, right? This idea that we get to determine what we want to do, and it's money. And this passage threatens both at the same time. You know, this idea that you would give up what you want, right? And you would give up what you have, your money, for the sake of another person. And so, friends, I, 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 I'm not trying to tell us that, you know, uh, we all need to go to this extent 
of selling everything you have and, and, and giving it, you know? But at the same time, this idea of learning to share, I do think it is integral to what it means to be the people of God, what it means to live in kingdom reality together with one another, what it means to truly become one. The word for fellowship that is used in this passage and that uh, the Bible commonly uses for the fellowship of believers is koinonia. You get that same root uh, in koinonia, right? Doesn't that sound like the koina that we see, the holding all things in common, right? Um, that is just a part of fellowship, is learning to see another person as you, right? And when we withhold from another person, you know, why do we do that? Well, we might do that because we don't trust them. We might do that because we're worried that we're not going to have enough if we give to another person. Um, but friends, when we learn to share, there is this, this kind of entering into uh, the trust that needs to be in the kingdom that you are provided for. You know, you don't need to store up for yourself treasures on earth, right? But you can store up for yourself treasures in heaven. Um, and one of the ways that I think we do that is by learning to share. I think about instances where I've learned to share and, and, and it's, it's a kind of, it's, it's not a losing that that's the myth that we are told, um, in a spirit of fear that if you share, you are going to end up with less. And I simply don't think that's true. When I was a kid, uh, I used to play um, the the old school, original 8-bit Nintendo Entertainment System. And it, yeah, we got these nice, chunky, gray carts. <laughs> these games were expensive back in the day. Um, I, I honestly don't remember how many Nintendo games... I personally had. I don't think it was a lot because um, I, I think maybe I would get one like for Christmas or for my birthday, uh, maybe once or twice for getting straight A's on a report card, you know. And uh, But I don't remember um, the games that I owned because my friends and I would just trade each other, that we would just share, you know. And so, honestly, um, I, I seriously don't remember which ones were mine and which ones were theirs, you know. And I, I, d does that ever happen um, with, with with your friends? Um, I, I I don't think this happens with a lot of friends. But uh, do you have friends where you just, you know, one person will will pay for the meal or something like that? I have friends where we don't keep track of who owes who or, you know, that sort of thing. Sometimes you, you Venmo the person, you know, um, but oftentimes it's just, hey, I'll get the next one, you know? And it's kind of awesome. You know, you, you feel like you're getting all these, these meals for free. <laughs> but at the same time, there are so many times where uh, I get just as much joy, if not more, 
from getting to treat my friends, you know? Um, and, and it's a much different feeling than when you're just keeping score all the time, you know, ah, that person, you know, paid 10% less on the meal that they bought for me than I bought for them. Man, it's not a good feeling when you're living like that. There, there's a closeness to that, right? Where, where you're, you're counting every penny, you're pinching the pennies, you know, there, there is this sense of, of, you know, when you think what's mine is mine, what's yours is yours. You're living in a world of scarcity. That's what happens, right? Um, and you're living in that kind of scarcity mindset where you just feel like there isn't enough. You feel fundamentally unsafe living in that kind of space. And that, brothers and sisters, I don't believe is the kingdom of God. There's not a, a lot of love in that kind of mindset, in that kind of community. And to be honest, friends, that's how most of us live most of the time. You know, but when you think about your close friends or your family and what I hope our church family can be, where what you feel is just, you feel love, you know, you feel cared for, right? And you feel like there's people that you get to care for too. And that's what happens when we share, right? And so, you know, sharing our stuff, it, it is an important thing because, you know, uh, I, I, I've heard it say said that, um, you know, we should love people and use things. But unfortunately, in this world, most <laughs> we, we love things and we use people, um, you know, or, or just to take money uh, to say that we're supposed to love people and use money. But how many of us love money and use people? It's not the kingdom of God, right? But in this community, you see people who have prioritized, you know, the people of God and say, hey, I will honor you, you know, and I will be willing to give of myself. And, and everyone's giving of themselves to each other. And so it's this mutual flow of love that they live in all the time. And it's beautiful. But sharing things in common, it's not just the stuff but I think it is our very lives. I think in community, one of the things that I have learned to share um, are my struggles, my hardships. And um, that I know is very hard for some people to do. Um, and, and there is this feeling of vulnerability that is, is very uh, difficult for a lot of us because we feel unsafe, right? And making yourself vulnerable by exposing your hurts, your wounds, your soft spots, you know? For some people, it feels like bearing your, your neck to a predator so they can sink their teeth in, right? That's the way it feels, right? Now, again, friends, that's not the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is a place where you are fundamentally safe. And we are trying to enter into that space where we can be vulnerable with each other because we are safe with one another. 
Now, being safe doesn't mean that you're perfect, right? And there is this, this kind of mutual uh, bearing of ourselves to one another, that as we do that, we learn uh, to become one with one another in, in a very special way. Um, I shared that uh, last weekend I went to um, the Bay Area uh, for a wedding and um, it, it was really a, a special time for me uh, because there, there were a ton of uh, LGM people there. And I got to tell you, there's there were no perfect people there, <laughs> myself included. Um, but... Uh, it was the kingdom of God. It was the kingdom of God. I knew the stories of so many of these people. And, you know, thinking back on it, I mean, man, there were some tough times we went through. You know, uh, not to get into individual stories, but um, again, there were no perfect people back then. <laughs> we weren't looking th through things with uh, rose-colored lenses, but, um, you know, at the wedding, uh, just a lot of us were just sh sharing about our lives. And, you know, I was remembering some of the tough times that people went through. And, you know, the fact of the matter is, is that, you know, they shared those things with me, you know. Um, there's some people who would come to a, a small group and, just every week was a struggle. Every week was a struggle. And they had nothing good to share. <laughs> but they shared it. They shared it. You know? And I, 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 I can't tell you what a gift that is. Just because that was their life. You know? And even if all you have to give to someone else, uh, all you have to share is your struggle. If that struggle is genuine, if you're sharing from a genuine place, there is going to be genuine fellowship. Um, and, and, and that's what I've learned uh, through the years. <laughs> you know, um, I think for me, I have seen preachers and pastors and I, I've come from churches at times where the pastor seems to share their perfection with us, you know, uh, they, they, they share their perfect ideas. They share, um, their, their perfect life with us, their perfect examples. And, um, you know, I, I definitely think that I have, a responsibility to share the word of God. Um, but I would be lying if I told you I had all of this figured out. Um, I think there's a difference between uh, talking to people and talking with people. And with preaching, you, you got to be really careful with that. You know, um, this is a community 
that uh, I have tried very, very carefully not to uh, ever preach down to you. I've been careful not to preach my political beliefs at you um, because I, I understand that the pulpit is uh, a place where um, we, we receive those words differently, you know, and, and I think that there are a lot of uh, uh, churches. I understand why they do this. Um, they, they will say, these are the things we believe, right? Which, which is, I mean, that's fine, right? You put it on a website, you know, whatever. Um, but I think the unconscious message that you are sending to people is if you don't share those beliefs, that you're not welcome. I don't think what it means when uh, it says they shared all things in common I don't think it means that we are a hive mind, that we have all the same experiences, that we even have all the same beliefs. But what I think it means is that we're willing to bring who we really are to the table. And, and I think that there is a real humility and there's a real vulnerability that happens when you do that. As a pastor, it's so much more tempting to just tell people to get in line, uh, to tell people what they should believe, right? It's cleaner, it's less messy, you know? If you don't like it, my way or the highway. But it's never what we've been about um, at, at Living Grace Ministry, you know? And so I, I, I think that there are people who um, probably want me to do that more. <laughs> <laughs> but friends, um, can, can I can I suggest that that desire um, for certainty it is not coming from a place of love, but it's ultimately coming from a place of fear. We fear uncertainty more than we love messy people. So, so when, when I talk about sharing ourselves, it's not just our opinions. Hey, I believe this or I believe that. But I think oftentimes there's something much more genuine, much more authentic, that is 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 underneath all of that. Your fears, your insecurities, your imperfections, the stuff that basically you don't want to share. <laughs> that just like in this passage, I mean, I'm, I'm sure there are some people they didn't want to sell their fields, they didn't want to sell their houses, they didn't want to sell their goods. Those things help them to feel safe. And sharing your fears and your insecurities and, you know, the stuff that you're not certain about, you know, um, sharing your struggles, man, that is honestly, friends, I, I, there is no... You, you cannot put a dollar value on that. 
how valuable that is. Some of you might be really good at sharing your struggles with other people. Um, and for some of you, it might actually be harder for you to share your joy with one another. That's, that's another thing that I think we need to share. Sometimes joy can be, feel even more vulnerable than some of that other stuff. You know, uh, sometimes, you know, sharing our struggles with other people, it, it, we feel like it's generating sympathy. You know, we might kind of lean into that. Um, but sharing our joy, um, I think for some of us that that's much scarier because, you know, we're afraid it, it, it'll be laughed at, you know, that people will think we're a sap <laughs> that, that, um, or even worse, um, that it'll be taken from us in some way that we're exposing ourselves by opening ourselves to too much joy. I mean, what a gift that is, you know, if you can share your joy with other people and then you invite other people to share in it. You know, I, I've said this often that um, in community, um, there is a beautiful kind of mathematics taking place. In community, struggles and hardships are divided but joys, they're multiplied. There is no joy that I know of that isn't more beautiful than when it's amplified by other people. Just want to end um, going back to, to weddings for a second and, and just using this as a metaphor, not, not saying weddings are the be all end all. Not everyone has to get married, right? Not everyone has to go to a wedding to experience what I'm going to describe to you. But, you know, in a wedding, um, you're, you're inviting your family and friends, right? You're, you're not just inviting people off the street, you know? You're inviting people who love you and people that you love in return. You know, people that you shared life with. And something I always tell the bride and groom at weddings, because this is something that I've experienced at my own wedding and something that um, I see at every wedding is that there is this wonderful energy that's present. You don't see it very often in society where everyone there is on your side, right? Everyone there is there for you. They're rooting for you. They, they love you. They want you to experience fullness of life and joy. They want your sorrows to be decreased. And so you see that, that if something goes wrong at a wedding, you know, that that um, in, in many ways, the, 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 it's, it's not that big a deal. You know, some, somebody laughs or, you, you know, they, they're laughing with you. They're not laughing at you. Some of the most memorable things at weddings are the mistakes. And, you know, that energy of all these people just being on your side, when something bad happens, it's no big deal, you know? But the joy, man, you know, just it, it, it's 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 amplified it's multiplied everyone there is so happy for you everyone there 
is, is just so excited for all the potential that's going to happen in that couple's life. And they're, they're blessing you. They're wanting such good things for you. That's my hope for LGM. You know, we come together and we hold things in common. We're not perfect. But as we do those things that we come to learn that we are in a community of love, not because everyone is like us, but because we know that we hold one thing in common, that we're all children of God, imperfect, though we may be, <laughs> but we are safe in this love, in this kingdom, and we get to see it grow, and we get to see the potential in one another. We get to root for one another. We get to bless one another. We get to hold each other's burdens. We get to share with one another. I just want to end. This is the Aaronic blessing, the blessing of Aaron on the people of God. And I want this to be um, not just my prayer for you, but for one another as we come together as a people of God. We just come to bless one another. We're not perfect. We don't have this all figured out. But we are held by the love of God. We are safe. So we can be vulnerable. We can share our joy. And we can bless one another. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.